You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Never Before by Sister Spooky 1013 on AO3. Rating explicit. He shouldn't have called her. Calling the gunman would have been worth the years of relentless teasing, just to avoid having to see the look on her face when he stepped into the lobby of the police station, his wallet and keys in a plastic bag, and his head hung in shame. She'd led him wordlessly out of the building into a waiting cab, and his questioning look was met with a level of vitriol that seemed to be heightened by the bruises on her face. I had a long day, Mulder. Forgive me for having a few glasses of wine. I wasn't aware you'd be calling me at midnight to bail you out of jail. He'd physically recoiled at the weight of her anger, then climbed into the cab behind her and gave his address to the driver. The ride to Alexandria was painfully quiet, her eyes carefully trained outside the window and her body pivoted away from him. But then, to his surprise, when they'd arrived outside his apartment building, she'd exited the cab and followed him up. He watches now as she strides purposefully out of the elevator and down the hall, a force even in her little white sneakers, jeans, and oversized sweatshirt. She unlocks his door with her own key before he catches up to her, and when he passes through the threshold, she's standing by the table, hands on her hips, rage coloring her beautiful face. A face already marred by what she's just been through, what he harangued and maybe even shamed her for. He's never been so confused by his response to another person's actions as he was today. Perhaps if he'd spent his evening pondering that instead of going down to Little Richard's and getting shit-faced, he wouldn't have found himself in his current predicament. You do see the hypocrisy, don't you? She spits, her voice quavering with emotion. After the way you spoke to me? She stops and swallows, her eyes glistening, and his belly twists with guilt. He walks into the kitchen and fills two glasses with water, his mind thick with the haze of alcohol, but not numbed enough that he doesn't see this for exactly what it is. He is a hypocrite. She's right. But that was the point, wasn't it? Maybe if he did the same thing she did, it wouldn't hurt so much, tit for tat. The only problem with that line of logic is that she didn't do anything that called for retribution. What she did had nothing to do with him at all, and that is precisely what hurts so much about it. He sets her glass on the table and sucks down three quarters of his own. She takes a few sips and then leans heavily against the door frame into the living room, defeated. I'm sorry, he croaks out as he sets his glass beside hers. I won't offer an excuse for any of it. I'm an asshole. She chews on her bottom lip, examining him for clues regarding the parts he's not saying. He carefully arranges his poker face. Is this a habit of yours, Mulder? She asks spitingly. Was this just the first time you got unlucky enough to proposition a cop? He drops his head, shaking it slowly. No, not a habit. And despite the circumstances, I actually feel like it was lucky she was a cop. Otherwise, maybe I would have gone through with it. She scoffs, and he lifts his head to look at her. Why, then, and today of all days? She asks, incredulous. Please, help me understand how you all but called me a common whore this morning and then went out to hire a prostitute barely 12 hours later. Explain it to me like I'm stupid, Mulder, because I don't get it. I never said that, 
He defends slowly, taking one step closer to her. I don't think that about you, Scully. She holds up one hand, and he halts. I am well aware, painfully aware, of the double standards for men and women when it comes to casual sex. I wouldn't be surprised by that reaction from someone else, Mulder, but I expected more from you. She's angry, angrier maybe than he's ever seen her. But more than that, she's hurt. It's not like that, Scully. He tries, lifting his hands and then dropping them to his sides helplessly. I never would have done this if not for what happened to you. Her eyebrows shoot up, her chin jutting forward, and he clamps his mouth shut. Fuck, he can't think straight. He's still too drunk. So you're saying that you went out to hire a prostitute because I had a one-night stand? She asks, flabbergasted. Fuck, 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 fuck. I guess I just, I was jealous in a way, he says, the tiny bit of his brain not soaked in bourbon, telling him to shut the fuck up, kick her out, and try again tomorrow. He's in no shape to spend this in the way he needs to. Jealous? She repeats, her tones softening. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Maybe that's not the right word, he deflects, walking past her into the living room. I was drunk. It's been a while. It seemed like a good idea at the time, and it obviously wasn't. He leans against his desk and rubs his hands over his face. Look, I, I said I was sorry. Can we just drop it? I'm an asshole. We're all on the same page about that. I think it would be best if we talk about this some other time. Some other time, she repeats, still in the doorway to the dining room, but turned to face him. Some other time we'll talk about how me having a one-night stand made you suddenly realize that you hadn't been laid in too long, so you went out to hire a prostitute? Her tone is perplexed, disbelieving. Her words are thick and slow, and he's reminded that he is not the only one under the influence. Maybe if he's lucky, she won't remember any of this tomorrow. Scully, please, he says with a sigh, feeling small and out of control. She walks toward him slowly, an unfamiliar expression on her face that makes his blood hum. There's something challenging there, something naughty. Something he wonders of Ed saw in her back at that bar, that tattoo parlor, his apartment. It makes his dick feel heavy and his heart feels sick and his head feel like it's taking a ride on a tilt-a-whirl. Jealous, she says again, now less than a foot in front of him. Their eyes meet, and he wants to cry, because she's so beautiful and she smells so good, and he never before realized how much he wants her, never before today, when he was forced to confront the fact that she isn't his, not in the way he wants her to be, that her life is hers alone, her position by his side, one she fills voluntarily and might vacate at any time. Somewhere along the way, he let himself believe that her devotion to him was something he could always depend on, like the sun returning over the horizon each morning, even after the darkest night. When he found out that she had within her the capacity to share her time and attention with someone else, not to mention her body, he felt betrayed by her, although he had no right. She never signed up to be the sun at the center of his universe, never consented to holding his heart in the palm of her overburdened hands. The hurt was so big, he buried it in anger and hurled it at her with a force she didn't deserve. She should hate him, but she doesn't. 
and that makes him feel even worse. I'm going to call you a cab, he says, reaching for the phone, but her hand around his wrist stops him. He won't look at her, can't bring himself to, and she's still holding his wrist when she speaks. There's something you're not saying, she accuses him, more curious now than angry. She's right, there's so much he isn't telling her, things he hasn't had a chance to understand himself, things that could destroy their friendship. She takes another step forward so that her feet are between his on the floor, her thighs bracketed by his knees. She's so close he can smell the wine on her breath and worries that she'll hear the hammering of his heart. Please, Scully, he tries again. Please just go home and we'll talk about this tomorrow. She releases his wrist but stays close, and he picks up the phone and dials the local cab company from memory. 4620 Hagel Place, please. They'll be headed to Georgetown. Thanks. He replaces the phone on the receiver and steals a glance at her. She's watching him with great interest, her lips parted and her eyes glassy. Her body is listing towards his slightly swaying, and he reaches out to place one steadying hand on her hip. Come on, I'll walk you downstairs, he tells her, but she doesn't move. I, she starts, then closes her mouth and runs her tongue across her bottom lip. I get lonely sometimes, she says softly. Her voice is low and raspy, her eyes wandering over his cheeks and his nose, his mouth, his chin. The tension crackles in his veins, his want of her so overwhelming he feels nauseous. Finally, her eyes lock on his, and she's so vulnerable, so open, and he's struck by the fact that he's going to hurt her again. Somehow he always does. Maybe he always will. I do too, he admits, and she nods softly, like he's confirming something that she already knew to be true. Maybe we don't have to be, she says in a near whisper leaning so heavily into him that his arm buckles, though his hand remains planted on her hip. He holds her at a distance, physically, so that she won't feel that he is hard as a rock beneath his jeans, emotionally, so that she won't know that he thinks he might be in love with her, and he's not sure what to do with or about that realization. Maybe she's open to extending the relationship beyond the platonic, blowing off steam with a quick fuck here and there. But he knows himself well enough to predict that he won't be happy with that, won't be satisfied with anything less than loving her, with every ounce of his being wrapping his heart so tightly around hers that they cannot be separated without one or both of them losing their lives. You should go, Scully, he says, terrified. Because what if he just kissed her? Would the whole universe collapse around them both? You've been drinking and... You should go. Mulder, she says tightly, her eyes welling with tears. He's going to hurt her again, again and again and again. He takes his hand off her hip. He opens his arms and wraps her up, carefully keeping space between her body and his pelvis. She feels at once as fragile as a bird and as mighty as an oak tree, his scully. He could inadvertently snap her in two or she could come crashing down and end his world as he knows it. The risks are innumerable, and he can't bring himself to take them, not yet. 
He stands and walks her slowly backward to the foyer, their shuffling feet on the hardwood, barely masking her agonized little whimpers. He opens the door and releases her, stuffing one hand in his pocket to conceal his inappropriate arousal. She's crying, and he is hard, and he's such an absolute piece of shit it disgusts him. She steps out into the hallway and turns back, her eyes wet and her lip trembling, and he wishes she'd just shoot him again. He wants her to hurt him, because that's what he deserves. But she already did, though not on purpose, and here he is getting her back twofold. We'll talk tomorrow, okay? He says with an attempt at a hopeful smile. She nods, then turns and walks down the hallway in a daze. He waits until the elevator doors slide closed behind her, then closes and locks his apartment door and leans heavily against it, rubbing his hands over his face like he can somehow wipe away his trespasses. Without allowing himself time to think about it, he unbuttons his jeans and pushes them and his boxers down to his knees. His dick flops out, half hard but quickly stiffening, and he wraps his fists around it snugly at the base. He closes his eyes and thinks about her, stroking in quick, short pumps up towards the head. He pictures her at the bar, tipsy and laughing that glorious bark of a laugh he attempts to pull from her every single day. He pictures her at the tattoo parlor, gasping in surprise at the sting of the needle and reaching out for a hand to hold. He pictures her at the apartment on all fours, with her hand tucked between her legs. He imagines her coming, the look on her face, and the sounds she'd make, and the way she'd feel. But it's not Ed with her. It's him. It's him buying her the another gin and tonic, him holding her hand when the pain becomes unbearable, him thrusting into her sharply while she spasms around him, her orgasm squeezing him so tightly he sees stars behind his eyes. He groans softly as cum runs down his shaft and over his fingers, dripping onto his jeans and the hardwood floor. The second the final throb subsides, he's overwhelmed with shame and grief and the ache of knowing that he'll never be what she needs. Even if she thinks she might want him, she could do so much better. He cares about her too much to allow her to settle for him. He cleans himself up, sucks down another glass of water, climbs into bed and begs for sleep to relieve him of this misery. Never before has he felt so hopeless, so frustrated, so confused. Never before has he felt so in love. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.